lady's shoes, she'd scolded, immediately changing her tune, when the salesgirl brought over the red shoes. Now, those are smart. And Nan had been right. For six years, the world had been khaki-coloured, and she was entitled to spoil herself, put a bit of cheerfulness back in her life. The shoes would dry out, polish up. Reassured by her own logic, but taking care to avoid the potholes, Marianne set off along Stocks Lane. A pub, closed, she discovered, the village hall, a row of labourers' cottages, and a primitive wattle-and-daub dwelling, straggled out along its length, and soon the road petered out into a cinder track. Here, Marianne found her way barred by a gate. In front of her, endless fields stretched into the misty distance, and on the horizon, a ploughman and his team of horses were turning over the sodden earth. And that was it. The edge of the world. To assure herself that she had come to the right place, Marianne pulled a letter from her coat pocket. Set out in it were her terms of employment. Thirty shillings a week in wages, every Saturday afternoon off, plus a week's annual holiday. It all sounded promising enough, except in one particular. Hugo Lacey Esquire had failed to send her directions, which made her think that her future employer must be elderly and a bit absent-minded, or just plain thoughtless. Neither prospect was encouraging. Did she go north, south, east, or west? Marianne gave a dispirited sigh. She had to face up to it. She was lost. To think that today was meant to be a new start, yet here she was in this misbegotten place, and already beset by doubts and problems. She was retracing her steps when she heard voices. Through a gap in the hedge, Marianne spotted a gang of men bent low, cutting cabbages. They looked as wet and dejected as she did, but it raised her spirits just to see a human face. She was about to call out for directions, when one of the men glanced up and smiled at her. Hello, said Marianne, encouraged by his friendly manner. Guten Tag. The man inclined his head. The unfamiliar phrase momentarily threw Marianne, but then she noticed his dark brown uniform and the telltale patch. A German prisoner of war. One of her nan's killers. How dare the man even look at her? Never mind, speak to a Nazi, she hissed, not quite under her breath. And he must have heard because his expression became defensive. He bent and picked up a sack of cabbages slung it across his shoulder and strode off down the row. Hatred slewed Marianne's stomach, and she turned away. All the misery of her loss stirred up again at the sight of the young German. Although it was over two years since a V-2 rocket had destroyed their house in Camberwell and killed her grandmother, Marianne was still in mourning for her. And as if her nan's death hadn't been enough to cope with, after meeting Chuck in Trafalgar Square on V.E. night... Her Aunt Reenie had sailed off to the land of plenty as a G.I. bride. As they clung to each other at Waterloo Station, there'd been tears by the gallon, promises by the yard. But although her aunt was generous with the nylons and Hershey bars, that promise to send for her once she was settled turned out to be pie in the sky. She would never set foot in America and was stuck here forever in this dreary, war-torn country. Marianne's throat tightened in pity at her orphan state. She was so absorbed in the wretchedness of her existence, she'd almost gone past the wattle-and-daub house, 
before she noticed the large square window. Empty, apart from a rusting oxo-tin and a half-empty jar of licorice torpedoes. Above the window, a faded sign read, E. Hardcastle, purveyor of quality foods. Half expecting the shop to be closed, Marianne tried the handle. To her surprise, the door swung open, and she found herself stepping down into a dark, low-ceilinged room that smelt of soap, cheese, and candle wax. A tall, sallow-faced woman stood guard over rows of dusty shelves, and although her eyes were barely visible beneath their warty flaps, Marianne was aware of being assessed. We're out of bread, if that's what you'll come for. No more deliveries till tomorrow. The woman's manner was churlish, but Marianne almost welcomed it because it snapped her out of her self-pity and back to the real world of austerity.